welcome back to another episode of the Awakening Bodies podcast. Really glad you're with us yet again. Today's conversation is a juicy one. Lauren, with over 10 years of experience in the health and wellness space, breaks down her journey that has led her to create her latest ebook called Balanced Bites, a guide to create nutritious and blood balancing meals. With over 40 recipes, Lauren has really shared ways in which we can all create meals that are going to allow us to be full and nourished because food is not just a thing to eat, it is information. And the more that we can be mindful of this, the better we can nourish ourselves. So really glad that you're with us yet again. Let's dive in. You know, so there's one thing that sticks out to me with entrepreneurs, which you are, and it's being able to create something that's of value to people and then to get that to people and then to get people to actually purchase it from you. Congratulations. That's exciting. Thank you. It's a beautiful day. And a journey. <laughs> so share with us that journey because you've been um, obviously the newest ebook is on what specifically? It's called Balance Bites. Balance. I love the name. <laughs> Thank you. And yeah, it's a recipe book with 40 plus recipes to support other people in balancing their blood sugar. Balance their blood sugar. That's a conversation that will definitely dive down. But before we get there, share with us what's gotten you on this journey so far to be even interested, let alone committed to finishing up a 40 plus recipe book on this. Yeah. So, and I'm just so grateful to be able to finally say it's completed because it's definitely been something that's been on my heart for so long. So as you know, and as some listeners may know, like I started my health and wellness journey as a personal trainer and it was very satisfying and I loved every bit of it. But we also know that like 90% of health is nutrition and 10% is movement. However, I do believe if you are in movement, that actually plays a bigger role because you're going to want to eat healthier. Yeah. Um, but regardless of that, so... I have always been into nutrition and I transitioned my business into personal training to go deeper into the nutritional route. And so I've always taught on the principles, I've taught on gut health and um, yeah, I just, I've had recipe books in the past, but they were maybe like 10 recipes or like they were like, I didn't pour my heart and soul into this. And over the past, I want to say like two years since I started like really working from home, um, I fell in love with cooking, which is so funny to for me to say because I remember when we first moved in with each other back in Belmar, like I didn't know how to cook at all. I remember like we finally moved out and it was like me calling my dad or like looking on Pinterest all the time to figure out like how to cook because that's something I didn't. I didn't know growing up. Um, I mean, my dad, he was always the chef in the kitchen. Um, but whenever we tried to go in there, he was like, nope, too many chefs. And so I would like sit there and make pancakes with my mom in the morning. And that was like the first thing that I made. And so to be at this point to like actually be a launching a cookbook and also to have even gone on these retreats and been the chef for um, groups of 15 plus people, it's kind of been an interesting experience because it's not what I foresaw in my journey. To be cooking at this level, you got it. Yeah, yeah, very cool. It's cool to see that growth. It's obviously been also very pleasurable on my end from the senses <laughs> of eating to have uh, you go on this journey. You touched on something super key 
And one of the reasons why Awakening Bodies exists is to bring about the balance between high performance, holistic health, and intuitive living, which is so powerful because what you're pointing to at, uh, before when you said that movement, the more you move, the more you're going to want to eat better. And it makes you think of the importance of habits, how one habit does interchange into the next. So for any listeners out there, I mean, she just gave you the recipe, 90% diet, 10% movement. And if you focus in on that, I mean, I would imagine your health is going to start to drastically shift. Your mindset will start to drastically shift. Maybe some of the habits you have in place right now will also need to shift. So that's awesome. Now, within within this this ebook and Balance Bites, by the way, love the name. How did you come up with it? What is the what's the the background to it? Well, balance has always just been something that I've gone through on my journey of like I don't want to be so restrictive. Um, I've I saw in the personal training world on how restrictive people can be and how when you are in that sense of all or nothing, it can just lead you down a path of like binging and going back to old habits. It's like whatever you want or whatever you resist persists. And so we do need that balance. Like we're here on this planet. There's so many things for us to experience in life. And food is one of them. And so I don't think that we should be restrictive in our diets. I think that we could always find a healthier option for the unhealthy treat that we that we want. And so um, it's just finding those recipes and finding that balance in life. And so I was like, this just sounds like it's a good name. (laughs) That's beautiful. It's so cool because you're bringing in the sense of of we especially now in the world of today, 2023, there's so many options that are available that are on the healthier side of things. I couldn't help but when you said that, the immediate picture that popped into my brain was a sticker bar that we made. Mm-hmm. And I love sticker bars growing up. I used to throw them in the freezer and eat them frozen when I was younger. And Lauren made these amazing cashew butter bars covered in chocolate. I put some walnuts on top and I'm sure there's more to it, but that's what I like. It was like <laughs> incredible. It was like a healthier sticker bar and it was delicious. Not only is it healthy, but it fills me up. And I know it's not just sugar and a bunch of different um, garbage that's not going to, at the end of the day, in some sort of way, help my body. It's so funny to hear you explain, like, what's in them because I actually don't think you know half the time. No, of course not. I'm not the one making them. Of course I don't know half the time. All I, yeah. just eat. (laughs) Yeah, which I'm really blessed to be able to experience your creations every single time you make some food. Here you are. You know, it's cool. The other day we were, uh, it was it was later in the part of the afternoon. We went and worked out and we came back like, right, what are we going to do for dinner? And we had a couple of different things in the fridge and we were able to whip up a great dish. That yeah. chicken dish with the gnocchi, with the, with the mushrooms and the spinach, phenomenal. With that, with that in mind, like the idea of creating food, what inspires you to create food? I think just at heart, I'm such a foodie. like genuinely like I love food and just so much revolves around food right conversations community um, occasions like our whole life like and it's fuel at the same time I think it's a beautiful process the fact that mother nature gives us this produce that fuels our body and our cells like when you really look at it at a vast perspective it's pretty profound on like that we are always being taken care of and that nature is always providing for us and I think a lot of people who 
tend to a garden or a farm, like they really understand this because it's it's a beautiful aspect of creation and nourishment. Man, so much to dive in deep into. You made me think that we're always being provided for. That scriptural, um, that part of the scripture where it says, if the birds are taken care of, how are we not going to be taken care of? Obviously, that's like paraphrasing by a lot, but it made me think of that. That's so deep what you just said, and and we'll go deeper into it because it, it stands out on the sense of connection. How important would you say it is to be connected to our food? How important is it? I guess it's what you value in your life. How do you mean? <laughs> like, I don't know. It might, be, it might be really important to some people and not important to other people. Mm. I think it comes all down to perspective. However, I think if you're on a journey that you desire to live more in tune with your body and more in tune with the planet and with source, then it's a huge part. Because like I said, it's like this food is nourishing. It's literally nourishing and washing over all of your cells. And I think we've been so disconnected from our food because we've never, one, been taught. And two, we think that if we are dealing with any type of issues that we have going on in our body, it's so much easier just to go grab a medication and take a pill instead of like actually getting down to the root cause. And maybe it's food, maybe it's not, but majority of the times food can act as medicine. Food can be medicine. And that is why I really focused in on allowing this to be honed in on blood sugar regulation because through my journey, as well as through so many clients, a lot of things have boiled down to the importance of regulating your blood sugar, not just if you have diabetes or pre-diabetic or anything like that. I think we now know a lot of people are walking around with either insulin resistance or an imbalance within their blood sugar levels, which is causing so much disease in the body. Yeah, I mean, the, the other day we we're walking on the, and by the way, just anyone listening, take a pause and just listen to what we just said, because there's so many people out there right now that are not really connected with their food. And because of that, they're not really mindful of what they're eating. And then the results of that, I mean, you walk down the street and you see the consequences of it. Yeah. And, and just another note on that, like it's very easy to just disregard what our body wants and just focus on what our mind wants. Like I talk a lot about intuitive eating and I coach a lot on intuitive eating, but if you don't have the fundamental prin principles down of nutrition, then it's so easy for intuitive eating to just be caught up in what your mind wants. And what, and what I mean by that is like your mind just wants what it previously wanted in the past, which is typically dopamine hits, mm -hmm. which is going to come in forms of sugar, mm -hmm. sugar and carbohydrates and things like that have additives and that are uh, addicted literally to the body. Mm. Like there's chemicals in different foods, like in McDonald's or processed foods that literally make you addicted to them. So it's literally causing the sense of craving in the body to want to go after that. But the body truly doesn't want that. It's the mind that wants that. And I mean, you just also touched on a chord that for those listening, these organizations, these corporations are made they're a business. At the end of the day, we're business people. We understand revenue creates growth and so on and so forth. These organizations are intentionally uh, make the food in a way addictive. Mm -hmm. And to your point, the chemicals and some of the, those things are are literally created to 
latch on to specific parts of the brain or trigger parts of the brain that creates a level of addiction. So just, again, that's a powerful place for people to really be in a place of cognizance and a place of intentionality and a place of choosing as to what they're eating. Because it's very easy to go back to the pattern of what we knew to eat. Yeah, for sure. Like I tell people, like if I didn't have the fundamentals of nutrition and someone told me to be like an intuitive eater, like I'd be eating bagels, Pop-Tarts, pizza. Like I would like because that is just what I grew up on. And that's what like it fueled me for a long time. And like it tastes really good. So, of course, I'm going to just crave that and want that. And that's like another whole different topic that I created a whole other course on um, of really teaching the fundamentals of your nutrition. But we could talk about it at a different time. And we will. And we will. But to give the listeners, because now we're understanding that there's there's this connection between understanding the science, the, the basics of nutrition, and then the actual practical, which is the intuitive side of it. Mm-hmm. So to give just an overview, 30,000 foot um, overview as to what the basics of nutrition are, what is that? Hmm, the basics of nutrition that's like a really big question or or okay so or maybe the fundamentals or like you said before like if you didn't know then you'd be eating pizza bagels and x well i think it comes down to like food is energy okay like food your nutrition it's literally there to fuel your body and as we in this human experience enjoy and like we have taste buds and like it also fulfills on so many other roles of our human experience as well. But at the end of the day, it's going into our body, nourishing ourselves. And so what I mean by the fundamentals is really becoming aware of what even is protein, what is a carbohydrate, what is a macronutrient, and understanding it and not necessarily dieting and trying to figure out all your macros. If that works for you, fine. I don't go that route. But understanding what that actually is and now how you can apply the food into your daily lifestyle in a way that's going to nourish you as a whole Mm, mm. man so i mean i definitely want to touch more on the basics and mentals of nutrition so different conversation we can go deeper into that because i know in the past you were doing counting macros and doing all the carbohydrates and doing everything like that and i remember from conversations and just being with you create a sense of restraint constraint which took away from other parts of your life so you steered away it was actually really funny. I know you're about to ask me a question. Go ahead. Are you good? Because when I was counting my macros, something so deep down in my body was like, this isn't it. <laughs> like, it was so hard, even as a personal trainer, even as a health coach, like, to do the math to try to fit everything in. And I was so uptight on, like, my fitness pal of tracking every little thing in. And it's like, oh, I went over one. Like, let me go for a run. And You know, it was just like so extreme. And I think a lot of people take it to that extreme level. And if you're competing and, you know, like you're really trying to like go after a certain, yeah, like a certain physique. Um, But now we even know that like that can be really detrimental, especially to women's health and their hormones. But I think there is a proper way of doing it. Um, but yeah, it just comes down to the restrictiveness. I never, I, like in my core being, it was always like, this isn't <laughs> mm-hmm. intuitive side. And the yeah. intuitive side of you knew that really big. Again, we'll talk about deeper into that in the next conversation with this. But for now, let's bring it back into what you were sharing before about food being information. I couldn't help but think about in the Spanish culture, the tradition of food. I mean, life revolves around food. And I would even say in all cultures, 
uh, but it just like it's just very present for me that in our culture, Spanish culture, a lot of carbohydrates. I mean, rice, beans, and meat, plantains, like like French fries. That's like that's like a literal and maybe a little bit of salad. Which I yeah. I mean that a little bit of salad. Like me growing up, the basis of my food of, of my plate was not consistent of the nutritious parts of food. It was tradition. Again, rice and beans, like that's that's no joke. That's really what made the majority of it. When we go out to dinner, we just ate. We just went out to dinner the other night, Colombian restaurant. What I get, and rice and beans. <laughs> yeah. So it is very much a traditional thing. And then I take a look at society, and we were out in um, we were out in Jersey, and the town is there's a large uh, Spanish population. And as I was eating these tacos, phenomenal tacos, there's these this family walking by, and all the kids were super overweight. Mm. Like they were young. I would say anywhere from maybe six, maybe the youngest, and maybe like fourteen, the oldest. It was four of them, and they were they were all within that uh, date range, um, age range. Yeah. But they were all overweight, and what you just said makes me think of that. That in the traditional sense, we're doing what we know is best. But what is actually going to work for our bodies? Yeah. When we take a look at society as a whole, it's it's very clear that there's an epidemic of obesity. Um, and going back and continuing to look at how society has progressed, it makes sense. I mean, fast food is like on every street corner you go to, things are being massively produced. If you go to the grocery store, there's little sections that contain, you know, the, the actual um, vegetables and things that have come from the ground and the rest is packages. Yeah. And so, you know, we've, we've put in, I think there's a lot of different principles that, and standards that a lot of people are trying to put into like schools and um, just different programs for us to, to be healthy. However, it definitely comes down to personal choice and what you have in the household as a family. Yeah. You know, and as, as you bring that up, I think about the kids in school mm -hmm. and, you know, the typical lunch at least here in the States, which I remember, I think you showed me a long time ago, lunches for kids in different parts of the world. Yeah. And America's lunches were like, whoa, like this is not what we should be eating. But again, I think that society, we've evolved, we've expanded America, industrial revolution, things came around. I mean, the roaring 20s really made for a whole new perspective of life than the Great Depression, then the opposite, which was more abundance. So all this overproduction, this mass production leading to for the sake of just growth, which again, this is where for, for me at least, it's really key to be mindful for how much am I doing something based on just increasing my number over actually bringing a sense of value and impact. Because if I don't, then I can be caught up in just the increase in, increasing a number. This translates in this, in this conversation on just food being mass produced to get more people out to food. Yeah, and, and I do just want to touch on the fact like your culture you know, you guys eat a lot of rice and beans. Mm -hmm. I've never been to Colombia. What I've heard is like people are relatively like leaner. Yeah, let's talk about that because we talk about Segura, who just came back. Yeah, our friend who just went to Colombia and he came back and he was like 10 pounds lighter. So he was 20 pounds lighter. Yeah. I was like, but regardless, he came back lighter. <laughs> and that's shocking, you know, to hear because, you know, they consume the, the typical meal, like Sabana yeah. was saying, is carbohydrate rich. And so why is that? Why is it that when you typically go out of the States, 
you could be eating the same food but different quality of food yes. and dropping weight. Well, how is it produced? Right. Was it sitting on a ship for days to get to the grocery store? You know, as soon as as soon as something's pulled out of the ground, it begins to lose its nutrients. And so you might be going out and getting broccoli at the store, but it may have like very little nutrients left in it, which is why I'm so big on like supporting your local farmers, not only to support them in growing, but you are literally going to get more nutrient dense food from them. And I recently just found this out and I was like mind blown, blown about it. But then you also take a look at places around the world and it's are they more active than we are? You know, us as Americans, we live a very sedentary lifestyle. Um, I know in Colombia, you know, you're walking a lot of places. And yeah. if you have a farm, you're tending to that. And that's what we're meant to do, which also plays a huge role into your blood sugar. You know, one of the main key principles is to make sure you're moving your body before or after a meal. Like studies have shown that drastically has an impact on not only your digestion, but being able to regulate your glucose levels. <laughs> you know, it's um, as you say that you've instilled a habit on me indirectly of walking after meals, especially during the workday, because there's times when I meet, when I eat and I realize like, oh, my energy is low. And I typically used to either do some breath work or meditate. Now, if you do breath work, you understand that breath work after eating may not be the, be the best thing you do <laughs> and also the most comfortable. So I knew that they didn't work. Meditation, it worked, but it still wasn't what, what uh, it wasn't really yielding what I was looking for, which was a, a recharge of energy. And I remember when you shared, go for a walk afterwards and I'd see you doing so. And I didn't believe it until I actually started practicing it. And I started to realize that, wow, a simple five minute walk, like literally around the block in our community, I come back and I was like, oh, that's, that's actually really supportive. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Because it's supporting your glucose. Like, it's not just like, I mean, when you really think about it, like you eat, you sit and like what's happening to your digestion with that? Like, yeah, maybe it's supporting, but especially if you're eating a carbohydrate rich diet, which we typically don't, but even not like it's just going to support and moving your body and supporting in the um, production of insulin. Got it. So like from a layman's perspective, ignorant understanding from my part, if I eat and sit down, it's harder for the body to actually digest it. Compared I think to, it's, I think it's going to come down to bio individuality, right? Okay. Because some people's metabolism is going to be more active than others, and especially with glucose levels, like everyone is so different. I think what really supported me in understanding what works best for me, because there's not a one all, one size fits all here, but there are principles to follow, mm. um, is to use a CGM, and a CGM is a continuous glucose monitor, which essentially it is something that goes on to you might have seen people like on the back of their arm like they have like a little monitor and that is continuously tracking your glucose and so it's really eye-opening to see like how where am I at an hour or 15 minutes after this meal because you can use a phone I use um I'll link it actually in the show notes uh, I believe it might give you like 10% off if you want to experience and give it a try um, but yeah, essentially it's a program where you're constantly tracking and you have an app on your phone and you can scan it. You could also turn off the Wi-Fi if you don't always want it on, but you can scan it to see where your glucose levels are. And it will show after a meal, after a workout, if you're stressed 
And it's really profound to to just be mindful, like, wow, how is my body reacting to the food that I'm eating? Because one person's food might be another person's poison, right? And I think it's important to know actually what is best for me. What is my superfoods? And it's so funny because looking back and connecting the dots, it's like, oh, wow. Like my whole life, I will say I've been pretty intuitive. But because I was trying to fit myself in boxes, I really jeopardized my health. Like what I mean by that is, you know, I thought veganism was like going to be like great for me. And so I went down that route. I went down pescatarian and a few months into it, like I was experiencing terrible stomach aches and I was confused because I was like, wait, this is supposed to be healthy for me. And like this can't be the kale because kale is like a superfood. And little did I realize, like, wait, I took kale out of my diet. I felt so much better. And even, like, we all have heard, like, eat oatmeal in the morning. And I've been, I've talked about oatmeal, like, so much in my personal training industry and world. um, But every time I would eat oatmeal, I remember it so vividly. Like, when we were living in Neptune, I would get up, eat some oatmeal, like, do my routine, eat some oatmeal. And I would literally go back into bed. (laughs) Like, Like, yeah, I don't know. I guess I just didn't get good sleep. It's like, no, the oatmeal was spiking my blood sugar so high that I was getting exhausted after eating it. Like, I think if anything, take away from this, if food is making you tired after you eat it, it's probably because it's a glucose issue. It's probably because your body's actually not receiving the fuel from it. It's being overworked and overwhelmed. And so it's time to balance it. It doesn't mean that you even necessarily have to get rid of it. Right, like you had um, some, I don't know exactly what it was this morning. What, but it's it's only it's, it's muesli. Okay, yeah, it's and that's like oats, but however, it has like flax seeds and walnuts and chia seeds in it. You're combining it with a healthy fat, yeah. and you also added some um, steer yogurt into it, which, which is... has protein and fat, and so that's going to support in the absorption of these nutrients so you don't have a crazy spike. And so even though it's more calories, right, because you are adding the yogurt and everything into it, that's okay. Because Because it's balancing it out. Yeah, exactly. You know, people say, like, I want to have fruit. It's like, okay, that's fine. But, like, maybe if you're going to have an apple, have some peanut butter with it or have some almond butter or cashew butter just so you can have that stabilization throughout your day so you don't hit a crazy spike. Mm. Such a science. It is such a science and it, it's it's beautiful and we've and to kind of just give like a little bit of a breakdown of like what glu- what blood sugar is because I think I keep just like throwing out that out and if you don't are familiar with it you're probably like what is that so blood sugar is glucose and glucose is energy for ourselves and so and and let me backtrack glucose is actually a sugar typically formed as a carbohydrate and then that is energy for ourselves Okay, so time out just for me so it can, so carbohydrate leads to glucose, which becomes food for the cell. Yeah. Fuel for the cell. Well, yes, it should be. Okay, got so, it. So, right, it gets, when we, when we eat something, then the sugars get released into our bloodstream. And now that tells the pancreas to produce insulin. And then insulin gets released and it almost acts as like a, like a turnkey for our cells. So insulin is like that, like turn on and then the the sugar now as glucose goes into our cell for fuel 
Got it. Once the insulin gets released, it opens mm-hmm. up the gateway for the... Got it. Okay. Yes. And what... And that's like typical, right? And then like our cells store it and then we use it for energy either for now or for later. And it gets typically stored in the muscles. So that's ideal. However, what I tend to see a lot in my practice and what we're seeing a lot in the world as a whole is that many people are insulin resistant. And so what that means is when there's so much insulin, the pancreas is overworking, producing so much insulin where it's not properly being, it's not absorbing the glucose. Can I ask a question there? Yeah. What causes that? It, like a lot of, a lot of different things. So like leaky gut can cause it as well as just like a mass production of carbohydrates. Like when you're having like a carbo, like a very high carbohydrate rich diet and sugar diet. And this is what can lead to what we're starting to see. A lot of people with like metabolic function, um, PCOS, obesity, fatigue, brain fog. And so it's that's like the end result of us having a carbohydrate-rich diet. Now, I'm not saying that carbohydrates are terrible. I'm saying that we need to learn how to balance it out. With fat, protein. With fat and protein and fiber. Got it. So this is so interesting again because I'm thinking right now about my 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 people, my my <laughs> the society in which I grew up, and you know I can't even say that because the society in which I grew up, everybody was super healthy, everybody was was slim. Like literally in Colombia, I don't remember ever seeing somebody that was overweight. Like crazy to say because I don't. Actually, that's not true. There used to be a, a guy that made cakes, phenomenal cakes. They called them. <laughs> they used to call them the gordo, the fat one. Oh my god! <laughs> but he owned it. That was the name of his business. <laughs> wow. Talking about ownership. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, he he baked cakes, which now, okay, makes sense. Just a bunch of carbs being ingested all the time. Mm-hmm. But as, I, as I'm thinking that, okay, so if we have a, a culture, my culture, Spanish culture, that's consistently eating a bunch of carbohydrates, the way in which we could, quote unquote, hack this potential insulin resistance is to combine it with fat and protein and fiber so that it balances it out so that I don't have to change the rice and beans. Just got to add some avocado, maybe some steak. Maybe some, um, I don't know, potato, some starch. Well, you're eating rice. Okay, that's the fiber? No, fiber would be like a vegetable. Got it. Okay, cool. See, I'm learning. I love Wow, it. babe, I'm surprised. <laughs> <laughs> you are so lucky that I'm in the kitchen. <laughs> I am so lucky that you're in the kitchen. Absolutely. Our children will also be just as lucky. So thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, so fiber is typically as like, your, your greens, your vegetable, and then um, you essentially don't necessarily need carbohydrates. Like as like a simple carbohydrate, simple hot carbohydrates are great for you, right? Like if we're talking about sweet potato or um, like sourdough bread, right? Like of course moderation, but anything white, mm-hmm. like I would recommend avoiding. But like potato bread is no good. <laughs> this is like one of the worst talking about like enriched white bread <laughs> i just remember i used to love potato bread and when i first bread was good. potatoes bread is the it's phenomenal it's so good but it's so remember you tell me it's like one of the worst ones to eat i don't think i've ever said potato bread is the worst thing to eat i just know like enriched maybe i was prophesized over in my dreams <laughs> <laughs> i'm pretty sure come up in this <laughs> Uh, okay good i don't even know where we were at but essentially yes if you combined a fat a protein fiber 
um, fat, protein, and fiber in your diet, that's going to support and really stabilizing. And now if you want to, and in my ebook, I also give like, there's those recipes, which is amazing, right? Because they're actually, there's the things that you can make. But I actually give like a mini like guide in the beginning of like how to actually take on principles and right. what is blood sugar and my top tips on how to regulate because there are other things. There are other things that we could do on a daily basis, on an hourly basis, and even the way in which we eat our food. I don't think I shared this in my ebook, but like if you have your greens first and then if you have your protein and then your carbohydrates and your, yeah, then your carbohydrates, that's also going to support greatly in how you're digesting it and how the glucose is getting released in the body. Got it. So there's so many different ways that you could hack this, but I think it comes down to one, being connected to your food, knowing what's in your food and figuring out like what works best for you. Mm -hmm. Find for yourself that individuality. Remember to, to your point when you, uh, so, so we used to eat a bunch of kale when breakfast pescatarian because like that was high in fiber, high in protein. We used to massage kale with the olive oil and lemon and salt. So good. But I remember like you were like, kill it. It was killing you. And I'm like, this is delicious. What are you, what are you talking about? Like, this I know. I was in kale. such denial. Yeah, me too. I didn't want you to not, before <laughs> it's not work for you. It was so good. And like we were obsessed, like kale bowls, sauteed yep. kale, kale chips. Just kale bowls, by the way. Kale with spinach, with um, kale with pineapple milk the kale bowls the oh, frozen kale bowls yeah oh you're talking about the other kale yeah, guys bowls. we make kale on everything we, we put kale on everything kale yeah it <laughs> <laughs> dropped the beat oh my god <laughs> yeah it was phenomenal but i was in complete denial of you having that but anyways so and anything i have a train way to go is there anything else you want to oh. add for Cool. I remember when I moved back to Colombia the second time. I was 14, 15 years old. I remember walking into the the, um, the grocery store. Now, by the way, grocery stores in Colombia, as you could imagine, are very different than the Costco's that we have over here. Which, by the way, there are Costco's in Colombia, which is crazy to think about. But they're not. They're not. They're not Costco's or their own Colombian version. You know. But regular grocery store. I walked in. I'm walking over. We're gonna go get some some um, some meat. And I'm looking over and behind the counter. They're just slabs of cow. Like, I'm not talking like, like cut up like steaks. Like, I'm talking like half a cow just chilling on the thing. And I'm like, what? This is the first time I've seen this. I don't remember at least was as, as a youngin before I left Columbia, before I left Columbia. Yes, the first time I ate seeing this, or maybe I do, but like, I guess at 14, 15, it made so clear that like, whoa, the steak that I'm eating it's coming from that animal that I'm looking at. And I remember it had such a profound impact on me. For one, it was covered in flies. I was bugging out about it. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, it gets washed and stuff and all that stuff afterwards and gets cooked, but I'm still alive. Like, what can I say? But it made a profound impact. The flies were like, what is that? Like, why, why are they? And it was not covered. There were flies. And I'm being overdramatic. I guess my mind is just remembering what I'm choosing to remember. But I remember seeing this thing that made a, a really profound impact on me connecting to my food. It made it different for me to eat that steak moving forward. And to this day, that image of half that cow behind the counter hanging on these hooks reminds me that the food that I'm eating came from somewhere. It creates a different connection. It's not just something that I pick up at the store and just ends up in my plate. 
there is a history to this. There's a background that the food came from. When it comes to vegetables, there's people that are picking this. Like people that are in the field day to day picking up the food that we get to eat. That makes a big difference for me. Because now I'm not just thinking about the food that I'm eating. I'm thinking about the person that's picking up the food. What are their lives like? What's their energy? What are they going through? When I think about the meat that we're eating, what is that happening? How is that being killed, slaughtered? Is it being, is it having a humane, quote unquote, end of life? And I, you know, that word is kind of like heavy. But what, is, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. Remember when we first started getting into like all of this intentional eating and understanding the impact of food and this is coming from the consequence of having a very close friend pass away from cancer for me to like explore all of this. And we started to dive into all these documentaries and understanding that cage-free chickens is no different. Like that doesn't mean anything to, yeah. uh, to actually see the way in which these animals are bred. Yeah, it comes from like a, a like you connect to that, right? Like emotionally. Mm-hmm. But if we want to actually take a look at disease in the body, 90% of disease is caused from stress. Mm. So whether that is, and, and here's the thing, the body doesn't know the difference between a tiger chasing you mm-hmm. or your boss mm. asking you mm. for something at a late hour of the night, mm. right? Like it's one of the same, the body's going to react the same. And so if we don't properly regulate our stress levels, that is what's going to be, unfortunately, the death of us. And a lot of us are in these constant patterns of stress and going back to blood sugar. You know, it's I'm grateful that we've never had this experience. But I remember when I was diving deeper into this CGM and I was listening to stories of other people, they mentioned how when them and their partner would get into a fight, she would track her blood sugar and it would skyrocket. And so it just goes to show that like it's actually not just the food we're eating. It's also the stress that we take on in our day-to-day basis. And so I wanna bring it back to food because what sparked for me was like, yes, we have that emotional connection to our food, but also everything is vibration. Mm. And if you're eating an animal that was killed abruptly or that just lived a terrible life, you're also taking on that energy. Mm. like. And, and it's a spiritual concept. It is an energetic, a physics concept. Like, so it's being mindful of like, where did this actually come from? Mm. Did it live a good life? Was it, did it get sun? And did mm. it, like all of those actually really do have an effect on the nutrient levels and also how it's going to respond in your body. Mm. And I just also take, take a look from like a spiritual context too. Yeah. Because if it, we're all connected, if everything is vibration, if everything is united as one. Which, by the way, it is. <laughs> like, I am you, you and you are me. Like, we are all yeah. that. So it is a very interesting topic to to bring into your food as well. Yeah, I remember when we first heard that. And Luke Segreto, shout out to you, who was first sharing this with us. And it, like opened up our perspectives on this that the that the food that we're eating is literally imbued with the vibration with which it's 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 either living in or dying. And shifted everything for me, mm-hmm. and the way in which I ate my food, and even now to this day, prayer. Like, sure, this food has gone through the process in which it's gone through. Now we can pray over it. We can give it some sort of love, some sort of um, like 
gratitude for the fact that it's on the table. Yeah. And we know the power of our words. We know the power of our words. Yes, ma'am. Like it's, it's biblical. It's something that, um, I don't want to say like the new age, but like we just like, no, we just understand it now scientifically. Yeah. Even scientifically, like who is the, um, um, I don't know the actual. The scientist where he did this study where he essentially took three containers of water and he spoke over them. I think one was, I love you. Mm-hmm. I hate you. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, just neutral. Neutral. Yeah. He froze all of them and then he took them out and he observed it with a microscope. And the one that said, I love you and had perfect crystallized like snowflakes in it. Yeah. And then one that said, I hate you was all incoherent yeah not in a perfect blob. yeah and you can look this up on on google um and actually see it and then the one that was neutral was kind of just neutral (laughs) yeah and so it's really powerful that even though the food that went through that process like we get to speak life back into it so our cells can absorb that as well so good which is so profound like we we have so much power within us, within our words, within our being, and we get to really declare what is so. Like God gave us this grace of creating. Yeah. And so I think there's so many people that actually are awake to their potential power. Yeah. Yeah. Inside of them, like over our food, over our bodies, Joe Dispenza, like, we were just listening to recently this might be a little out there but he's continuing to be blown away by the experience that he's leading people down and he's someone that works deeply with the subconscious mind and he shares a story on how a woman um got her that thyroid taken out and through the dedicated practice of declaration meditation and diving deep into the realm of quantum like <laughs> what? And so there's so there's so much power that we that we hold that God has gifts. And now it's really just awakening. And to bring it back on food on that particular context, the food that we're eating is either gonna increase or decrease the energy that we have. Or to put it this way, it's either, it's either gonna raise or lower our vibration. The higher the vibration, then we're gonna be able to tune in. This is like, and you can, we can look at it from just like the, the, the simple example. If I'm eating McDonald's, how am I going to feel afterwards? If I'm going to feel like bat, like crap afterwards, am I going to go and take time to pray and meditate? More than likely, no. If I eat something super healthy and well, what's going to happen after? My energy is going to be much higher. I'm going to be able to be much more tuned in to myself and source and other people around me. This is why, again, it's so important and so key for all of us to just be in a place of inquiry as to what would it look like if I were to take full responsibility for what's going on in my life right now. The choices that I'm making, specifically in the context of this conversation and the food that I'm eating. Is the food that's on my plate right now going to increase my energy or decrease it? Is it going to raise my vibration or is it going to lower it? Is it going to bring me a sense of peace or is it going to bring me a sense of dread? Because that has the potential to bring you that. Food is not just, food is information like you said before. Literally downloading whatever you're eating into your body and then you respond as such. As within, so without. And lastly, going back to balance. Because as it is information for the body, it also acts as this gift that we get to tap back into different parts of us. 
right? Like maybe you used to eat something growing up that wasn't the healthiest that your your body's you're craving it. Oh, bananas. Yeah, like I'm not gonna say don't yeah. don't eat that, right? Because it's actually nourishing you on a soul level. No doubt. And it's bringing up these memories, and it's a beautiful part of this experience of life. But now it's like, okay, well, how can I still support my body by adjusting it? And maybe I have to move after I eat it, right? So it's not just ignoring it completely. It's still consuming the things that you enjoy. And maybe there's a healthy moderation for it, and maybe there's something that you can do for your blood sugar, but it's a combination of all of those. And that's what I really intended this cookbook to be about, was mocking after recipes that I personally love, like... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like enchiladas, they're in there. Fun, phenomenal. Yeah, I like different desserts. Delicious. Cake, and there's like this banana. Oh my god, forget about it. <laughs> you know, and I really just tried to do my best. I'm like, what do I love, and how can I recreate it in a way that's going to nourish my body? Mm, so beautiful, so powerful, so much fun. It's so cool to experience this together with you, as you're bringing all that. Uh, you bring up the. Um, and just like backtrack just a short bit because I think it can be really easy for people to get caught up in this being like a chore. It can be a lot of fun. We had pizza the other day. Back to your point before of balance and like doing something that nourishes you. We had pizza the other day. Delicious pizza. Maybe not the most quote unquote healthy. Sourdough crust. Amen. Yep. 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 We had that in the, in the picture. <laughs> we had that in the picture. But pizza nonetheless. And all that to say we had it we had this beautiful dinner out on the beach and afterwards we danced for like an hour and a half. So like you can have fun with it. You can still eat the food that may not be necessarily the quote unquote healthiest, but you can then take action on balancing it out like us dancing for an hour and a half. So have fun. You know, life is supposed to be an experience to enjoy, not something to dread. And I know from seeing other people that sometimes a conversation of food can become a dreadful conversation. But there's a lot of possibilities out there, a lot of potentials that we can dive into in which with food specifically, we can create an experience of life that really connects people and also allows us to be healthy. So thank you. Thank you for the time, the effort, the energy. This has been, I mean, you've been in this space since you were 16 years old, 15 years old. You're now 27. So like 28, excuse me. So, <laughs> so you, you're literally like, th this has been your life. And you've putting out all of this value to help individuals who don't know, who don't have the time. And it's not their purpose. It's not their intention. It's not their mission to, like myself, I'm speaking about me. It's not my mission to understand all this, but I'm able to get the value from it from the work that you've done. So thank you for that. And I'm excited to dive deeper into the other ebook that you mentioned specifically on the fundamentals of nutrition. It's a whole course. So yeah, it's beautiful because I think that if we can have both the scientific and the practical, it just makes a good understanding of what actually to take. Yeah, thank you. Oh, so duh. Where can people find the ebook? Please. <laughs> <laughs> um, you could also find it um, in my Instagram bio at Lauren Rose Fallmans. And yeah, the course is also there too. So if you have any questions out there, feel free to reach out. I'd be happy to explore that with you. And really looking forward to see how you guys like the recipes please tag me and let you create i would love to see it yes. um and i actually before 
I'm thinking about this podcast right now. We're recording this. It's Saturday, September 9th. And my ebook was, it's currently 10% off until tomorrow, but I want to extend it another five days. So it's going to continue to stay on 10% off um, until next Friday, which is the 15th. So for those listening who really just want to indulge in it, like, Amazing. Do that for the code or is it just going to be, got it. Got it. Very cool. Well, Lauren, thank you so much. I love you. I'm grateful to be here with you and thank you all for listening. Go and have some fun with your food and pray over it. See you all. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to follow, like, and subscribe to stay updated on future episodes. And we would love to know how you enjoyed today's episode by leaving us a review. We look forward to continuing this journey of self-discovery and connection with you, and we'll see you on the next episode. Much love.